Yeah, not a whole lot of gotcha journalism here. We want, we just want to hear about your your cool experiences, and, and really, I mean, we're talking here as fans as well. And um, you guys will definitely be bigger Star Wars fans than me. <laughs> Clay, Clay hasn't seen any of the Star Wars movies yet. That is not true. That's not true. That's not true. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Okay, I've seen all of them. They just like no, to give me a hard time because it took me until like 2015. He gets real <laughs> sleepy when he's watching them. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Storymen Podcast, episode 182. I am Clay Morgan. And I am J.R. Michelados. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> it's almost undetectable that J.R. isn't here today, man. <laughs> we have become one B. We are the Storymen. We write and uh, blog, well, we podcast at least over at NovelRogers.com, and we say things on social mm-hmm. media sites like Twitter at Matt Michelotis, like anybody <laughs> could spell that, or at Clay Morgan PA, or at JR Foresteros. We have like the worst Twitter handles for just randomly sharing them, don't we? I know. It's awesome. But I figure if someone can learn to spell my name, they're going to remember it the rest of their lives. Kind of like Funicello. That's very true. Although sometimes you got to be careful when you go looking for certain Greek authors' websites, and you never know what's going to pop up. <laughs> What Clay's referring to is there was a mattmichelotis.com that you can go look at this, but the uh, domain lapsed, which means someone else could buy it, right? And the company that bought it put up an advertisement for Jap- in Japanese for underarm wart removal. <laughs> <laughs> now, to, to be clear, you have run your own website at michelotis.com forever, right? right? And so this right. was a publisher. So it wasn't, I wasn't like sad when I found it. I thought it was really funny. My publisher had bought mattmichelotis.com to put some really specific stuff up and had accidentally let it lapse. So they felt terrible, but I found it so <laughs> delightful and hilarious that, uh, yeah, I've just been laughing about it a lot. Well, you know, I'm just going to let that stand as my favorite story of the week. You know, I don't really have an article, <laughs> but when you shared about it, it it really gave me a lot of joy to watch all of these people go and um, and just really experience that for themselves. It what? was really funny because I put on Facebook, I said, if you click on this site, because my publisher still sees my original site, actually, because of some, who knows, science voodoo. Okay. Um, but uh, so I put on my on my Facebook, hey, when you click on this link, do you see A, my author site or B, a Japanese underarm wart removal site? And everyone thought that was a joke. And that I was like rolling out my new site. So they all went and clicked on it. And everyone's like, ugh, yeah. what's going on? Scandally so clad I got Japanese. So much engagement. I was like, care. I should have done this for actually rolling out a website. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh my goodness. I got so excited about our name games that I buried the lead. And our guest today, coming up in a minute, is John DiBiase. You guys, he's a, he's a Star Wars artist. Now, you're going to learn yeah. about what that means. But for this uh, audience, that has to be exciting. 
Um, and John's a really interesting guy, really talented guy, and we're going to hear more from him in a moment. But first, um, I, I said my favorite story was Matt's website. Uh, Matt, what is your article of the week? Okay, this is crazy. In the New York Times this week, there was an article about mutant crayfish or crawfish clones invading Europe. And by clones, what they mean is somehow some of the crawfish, well, one of the crawfish, I guess, started asexual production. So a female started laying eggs without, uh, you know, meeting any males, and huh. all of the eggs were viable. And they lay about a huh. hundred some eggs at a time. So <laughs> suddenly there were a hundred gigantic genetically identical and then they all did the same thing so there are thousands upon thousands of genetically identical crayfish everywhere in europe and in the article they're talking about like uh the people studying it say we'll go out for an hour and just catch with our hands and see how many we can get and they'll get hundreds they're everywhere so yeah and there's no end in sight they said uh, a lot of times in the short term this is used as a way to uh produce uh a population growth for certain animals. But, you know, if one becomes, if a disease comes through that one of them is susceptible to, they're all susceptible to it. So it's really a short-term growth thing. Um, but yeah, meanwhile, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of identical female crayfish all over the place in Europe, which is pretty hilarious and awesome. That I, I don't even know anything about science. Let's be honest, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> that is just terrifying. So if I stay in America, I'm not going to have to touch these things? Or are they coming? Well, are they coming? here's the thing. It's an American breed of, of crayfish, so it's entirely likely that how, somehow I got to Europe. Uh, so it's very possible that we have something similar somewhere here in our ecosystem. Make America cray again. Mm. <laughs> well, that is terrifying, and I don't want to ever think about that again. So... As I said, our guest this week is John DiBiase. He's a writer. He's a uh, an, an internet entrepreneur, you could say. Not that he's gone into huge business over the years, but he was on the internet way early. I mean, back years before people thought the internet was actually a thing. And he's going to share about that. He's going to share about his time in the music industry. I might even get a little fellow psych love. But uh, most of all, he's going to talk about Star Wars and the art that he is actively doing for the franchise including films that haven't even been released yet so this is a great interview i I should mention there are a couple last jedi uh spoilers toward the end so if you haven't made it to last jedi yet and have somehow managed to be unspoiled good point uh there's there's a couple in there just to be aware of all right so here's our interview with john dibiase Hey guys, for you, the listeners of the Storyman Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I've listened to a number of these books, and actually, one of my very favorites in the last year plus probably was Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Man, I must have took my dog for like an extra four blocks around the neighborhood twice a day just because I didn't want to stop listening to this story. It's so good. I can't wait to see what they do with the movie version. But you can download a free copy of Ready Player One or any book that Audible has uh, and get a free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash thestorymen. And you get your free audiobook. You get to check out the service, figure out the best way to listen to audiobooks. Man, it's so good. So go check that out today at audibletrial.com slash thestorymen. 
Well, our guest today is John DiBiase. He is an artist, a would we say music journalist, a writer? What what do you call yourself, John? What are your hats you wear these days? Oh my gosh. Um uh hi by the way. Um <laughs> hey John. <laughs> hi um, bye. And thanks for having me on here. Of yeah. course. What do I call myself? Um I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh I think those are pretty good descriptions. Um I guess I never really don't really think of myself as a music journalist, but uh I, it's probably a good description for it. Well, I should I should mention that you and I first crossed paths when I jumped on to some, I call it music journalism. I mean, you know, what were we doing? We were going to shows yeah. and festivals and hanging out. You actually had a monetizable medium behind you. I was just <laughs> kind of running around throwing out freelance pieces. But um, yeah, you were covering. You were around the music scene up there in the Northeast for a long time. Are you still living in Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, I'm still in uh, in Pennsylvania. Yep. Okay. Well, before we get to more about your art, Matt, we gotta we gotta take care of a little business here, don't we? Yeah. So we don't usually start with philosophical questions like "What do you call yourself?" Uh, we realize that puts people in a difficult <laughs> corner. Um, we usually just ask what we call uh, your geek creds. Like, what makes you a geek? What are you passionate about? And that can be anything, really anything. Uh, what what gets you excited as a fan or just as a person? I'll tell you what. How about you guys give me a couple of your geek creds, and then I'll give you mine. Oh no! This is—you know what? Oh. Two weeks ago, we got totally shown up with geek creds. It was embarrassing. Um, which is fine. It's fine. So much. Oh, like for me, I love autobiographies. Like that's a weird thing about me. I'm a geek for hockey. Um, Matt, what are a couple of years? Oh, I mean, I love. Uh, I definitely love science fiction and fantasy stuff, whether that's novels or movies, uh, comic books. Yeah, writing in general, books in general. I'm I'm all over that kind of stuff. Cool. Um Yeah, I uh I'm a huge nerd for um the original Ghostbusters and um nice. uh, and the original cartoon show. We will not talk about the reboot. Um <laughs> not, not a fan. <laughs> I I didn't even watch it. I refused to watch it. Um <laughs> I, I did. I did. Uh, I did look up on YouTube Bill Murray's cameo in the movie, and and it just it was so bad it confirmed everything that I w- was <laughs> feeling about it. So I'm like, I have I have no desire and no need to see this film. So Ghostbusters um, is kind of your it's the it's the pinnacle of your movie mountain love. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the original film is my favorite film of all time. Oh wow. Yeah, and um, I, I would say probably right under that would be Star Wars. So. Um, which Star Wars? Uh, just the 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 well, Empire. Yeah, the universe. Empire. <laughs> Empire is my favorite film of the Star Wars saga, and I would consider it my second favorite film of all time. Um, but yeah, usually just like the the franchise of Star Wars, even though the prequels are super weak. <laughs> Uh, you know what uh i've been watching episode one with my eight-year-old because Mm -hmm. because she's never seen star well she's seen four five and six now and she loves them and she's the first of my kids to actually like them so i'm excited and then she's like well i guess i should watch number one now and i was like "Mm, okay (laughs) so we're about oh maybe 20 minutes into episode one and i i don't know watching it with a kid is completely altering i'm like 
Jar Jar is it, maybe the best thing about this movie because nothing else makes no, sense. She's like, that, why do they got to go to the Senate? Why do they got to do yeah. this? Why do they got to do that? But Jar Jar, is, she's like laughing hysterically. She doesn't understand what he's saying half the time. I have to like right. explain it to her. But uh, yeah, I, I watched. I, I did the same exact thing with with my son. He's he's seven now, and um, I think it was before episode uh, eight came out that um, I sat him down and I was just like, hey, you know, might as well watch the the prequels. And <laughs> uh, he had already watched. The time has come. He had, or- <laughs> yeah, he had already watched four, five, and six, and seven. And uh, he he didn't really know one, two, and three existed, uh, but he would see like imagery from them places and be like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's just you know, Anakin becomes Vader and all that kind of stuff." And he was really intrigued by it. But then I va- eventually just was like, "All right, there are three other movies. They're not good. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they have their moments, but uh, you know, you should probably watch them so you get the full picture." And rewatching Phantom Menace with him. Um, I, I saw it differently, you know, and I, I did feel like it wasn't necessarily as bad as I tend to feel it is because I was kind of watching it with his, you know, with him in mind while I'm watching it. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think he probably didn't mind Jar Jar, but, um, it, I mean, the pod race is cool for kids too, oh, uh, that's and, true. you know, and the, uh, and the fight with, um, Darth Maul at the end and stuff, but, mm. you know, I mean, all, nothing What's more exciting than um, trade negotiations? You know, <laughs> no. That's why we love Star Wars. It's for <laughs> yeah. the politics and 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 stuff like that. You know. I think you guys have unlocked the key for me. I, I might need to just watch Episode One with my dog. I've never there actually tried that. If I watch it through his eyes, I won't fall asleep. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good. <laughs> um, good idea. You know, my daughter wept in episode uh six when darth vader died she was like wow. she's like D-. and i was trying to prepare when luke takes off his helmet i'm like it's gross honey it's gross like just get ready and they pull his mask off and she goes it's not gross he's so cute oh my gosh <laughs> and, uh, she just opened the door to look at me she heard me talking about her <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i New thought that was out, daddy I know. Seriously, I'm busted. All right. Yeah, well, it's hard, John. You you'll be right at home here. I don't know that we've had a Ghostbuster fan of your caliber on the show before. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you're our number one Ghostbuster fan of all time, so far oh, as yeah. I can recall. Right. Oh, yeah, we, undoubtedly. I mean, John, he puts effort and time into this love of Ghostbusters. <laughs> we'll hear about his art later on. I mean. There are some amazing Ghostbusters art in the world because of John DiBiase. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, I, so we didn't get to talk in December, and um, there was a little thing called Psych the Movie that came uh, out. Now, yes. John, I have been outnumbered for a long time. Matt, is, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's family members will watch Psych sometimes. <laughs> JR hates Psych. Um, but now not only are you on, here to son. even the odds, come on, son. <laughs> but now Jay Clay's never seen an episode. That's what's weird. Yeah, what? right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, just just talk to me a little bit about your feelings on Psych and the movie and the sure. whole franchise. Sure. Um, I'm a late comer to the show, actually. Mm, I am. Um, uh, I had a, a really good friend who I was hanging out. We were hanging out. Um, 
one time and he started saying suck it and i was like oh you know you're quoting the office and he's like what no you love that show too i'm like what and he's like psych i'm like no what what's psych you know and he and uh i was thinking of a very obscure moment in the office and he's totally quoting something huge in in the show psych so um but i ended up watching it at at uh with his um insistence to watch it and you know i i felt like the first season was good but it wasn't really really like it wasn't great and then i just was hooked after that like i once i was in there for the the second season i was just i was in for the long haul and i watched the whole thing loved it it was painful that it ended um and then i thought okay i'm gonna watch it again and i'm gonna rope my wife in and she became a big fan of it too and then there was news of a movie so um it was it's super cool that uh, um, they revived it at least for one. Now they're talking about doing maybe five more movies or something. <laughs> oh, they'll do at least one more. Yeah, these guys just love it when I talk about. It. They're like Clay. Literally, no one cares about Psych, and it's not even on TV anymore. But I say foo foo on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John. I mean, not to change the subject from something that only Clay cares about. Sure. <laughs> But um, <clears throat> tell, tell me a little bit about you guys, uh, from what Clay says, you know, you crossed paths in the music world, going to concerts and stuff. Tell us a little bit about your experiences with the music industry. Like, how'd you get started in that? What was and is your role with that? Like, what do you enjoy about it? Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. Um, I know, well, right? Oh, I assumed you. What do you hate about it? Oh, yeah. no. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any way you want. <laughs> Those are a lot of great questions, but um, to to tell the story right, we have to go back to the beginning. It was 1996. Um, no, I, I I first got into Christian music uh, probably around the age 13 or so, and uh, three years later in, in 1996, um, I started a little website, and it was just one of those little. Um, free pages on angelfire.com and and, uh, I learned HTML basic HTML in like half an hour with like a a really easy tutorial and and I just built this I kind of wanted this page to be a a music site that I would want to go to so I worked on that I had no social life and um, or I should say a very limited social life so I spent a lot of time at the computer working on, on this website and it had gone through uh, a lot of growing pains with it crashed at one point and lost the whole thing. And then, oh. um, yeah. And then there was another time where like accidentally, I think, I think I accidentally erased the whole front page and I had to redo it. You know, I felt like they were little tests to see maybe God was, was curious if uh, I was in it for the long haul or not, or if I could yeah. endure, endure the hardships of this. Um, but uh, yeah. So then in uh, the following year, um, Forefront Records took interest in it and, they start. They offered to start sending me stuff to review, and I was like, "Whoa, this is pretty cool!" Like, I never even thought that was possible, you know, to get mm-hmm. music sent to you for review. So um, that that kind of started the ball rolling. Then all of a sudden, I started publicists started sending me stuff. But I remember it was around like ninety nine or so, and um, uh, I had asked the label for an album and I, I honestly can't remember which label it was or exactly which album I think I remember but I can't I, I've looked for the emails since then and I couldn't find it but uh, a label told us that they didn't believe the internet was a viable source of media and, <laughs> and they didn't want to send us 
uh, an album for review. And I'm it's like, amazing that this isn't a memorable label for you. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, again, I think I think I remember what it was, but I couldn't find the the email, so I don't remember. You know, if I just had that, the I don't want to, you know, implicate a, a label or something mm. like that. But I think it was around ninety nine or two thousand, which is just funny because that's really all media is now is is the internet, you know. So, um, but the whole goal of the site has always been to kind of create like a one stop um, source for Christian music, and that definitely morphed throughout the years because you know once a 16 year old kid is working on a website and then he hits college then your time becomes a little bit more limited and then you know you meet a girl and get married and then i i was spending less time then and um i got another job so i I would update update the site maybe like a couple times a week and then a few years later it was like you know what i need to i need to just update it every day so i focused on that on trying to get it updated every day. And I've been pretty good with that ever since. Um, but yeah, it's even more challenging now with, with, with a kid (laughs) and, uh, you know, and the music industry's decline is, is just, you know, really, really hit us hard. So, Hmm. um, so you guys are, I mean, you're, you're over 20 years in at this and 22 this year. It's crazy. Well, are you you the original Christian music website? Like, is that possible? Cause you were pretty early. Yeah. I mean, I know CCM magazine did have a website presence before we did. And mm. what about heaven's there, metal? Oh my gosh. HM magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think they're still around in some form. Doug Van Pelt. Yeah. Doug, Doug, I think sold this, the site or, or, or whatever, passed the site on to someone else. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it might be mostly mainstream music now, actually, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't, I know there are a couple other, I think there's another website um, from around 96 called the Phantom Tollbooth that still exists and they do Christian music. And um, I know that one of the first sites I ever found online that, that kind of inspired um, what I wanted JFH to be was called the, the electric, the electronic lighthouse magazine, something like that, nice. or lighthouse electronic magazine. And, uh, it didn't last very long, unfortunately, probably because <laughs> websites are really time consuming to manage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, kind of where it, uh, it got started and that's awesome now, I guess. So you said, you said the industry's really changed. I mean, I remember yeah. back in the mid nineties, that was like, you know, if somebody who was a quote unquote Christian musician, you know, even wanted to go play a regular show, they were thrown under the bus. And oh then it gosh, was yeah. Dakota Motor Company was real controversial because they had a presence yeah. on MTV, all this different stuff. Right. <laughs> and now, I mean, you and I have seen it for 20 years. Matt's been to plenty of shows and, you know, a band like Switchfoot, for example, or even you too. You know, we have different feelings on what Christian movies and Christian music even really are right. these days. What have you seen, though, from the industry? Is it, you say it's on the decline? Like, what, what does that mean? What is that looking like in the last oh, few years? Um, well, I think it's mostly, it started with the, uh, with the rise of, like, MP3s and, and Napster and LimeWire and those sites that were um, making share, music sharing a thing, you know? And mm-hmm. then if you didn't want to buy something, you didn't have to. You know, you could download it and share it with your friends. And that seemed to be kind of the beginning of the end, or, or so to speak, for, for music. Um, it seemed like right before that hit, um, 
they, you know, it, it was like CDs were starting to become over $20 or whatever, you know, but then once, once the, uh, piracy hit, it was, you know, the, the value of music just plummeted. So, um, all that to say, I mean, I've watched record labels completely change over the years. I mean, good people that were great to work with got laid off and, and, uh, um, or fired and, um, people are brought in fresh out of college who don't have any experience and don't really necessarily know what they're doing because these labels can't afford, you know, to keep people around. And it, it, it's sad, you know, and, and like marketing departments pretty much don't exist anymore, it seems. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of outsourcing, I guess, but yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing, you know, and then labels are only willing to sign artists that are almost guaranteed to sell. So it seems like, you know, the, the variety of styles and kinds of music and Christian music have just gone away because, you know, churches and soccer moms are buying worship records and that's what is selling. So that's what they keep peddling. (laughs) Sounds a lot like the publishing industry, doesn't it, Matt? There's some similarities there for sure. Um, Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard the the publishing industry's um, taken some serious hits too. Worship music and Christian music is Amish novels in publishing <laughs> christian publishing. Amish romance Amish romance yeah yeah Amish romance. well that's because like 75 percent of the people who buy books are women so yeah yeah we need to get more guys reading is the answer i guess um okay john i feel like we maybe should have uh scheduled you for multiple shows because i think we probably <laughs> could do a whole show about music but but we actually wanted to talk to you some about your art um okay. so t- tell us a little bit about your art, what you do, and how you got started. Oh, okay. Um, sure. Uh, I've been drawing for as long as I can remember, but I, I got started with just like, you know, little tiny cartoon characters and stuff that I made up. And then um, I actually have a memory of being in elementary school, and I've always been a huge fan of Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's this guy who could who could draw, and he drew me a picture of Garfield. And I remember wishing I could do that. I remember wishing I could draw um, something like that. And I actually, sadly, I, I think in one uh, moment of desperation, I tore it up because I was so frustrated and sad at the time mm-hmm. that I couldn't, you know. And uh, eventually, I just kept practicing. And I um, you, I tried to draw stuff like Animaniacs, um, pretty much anything on like the Disney afternoon <laughs> and Garfield and stuff like that. And I, I kept practicing and practicing and um, I'd actually take transparency sheets and I'd have <laughs> taped episodes and I'd pause them and I'd trace images I liked, whether it was Pinky in the Brain or the Animaniacs or something. And then I'd take them back to my room and I would use those as references to cool. draw from, to freehand draw from. And I actually wonder if, the act of tracing helped with, you know, forming lines and stuff like that. Mm. um, But it really, it was just the only way that I could come up with um, screen capturing something I wanted to draw. Um, And then I, I, I uh, tried to do portraits and I think the very found, I've recently found the very first portrait I ever did. It's so bad. It was a, a, a Philadelphia Phillies baseball player named Lenny Dykstra. Yeah, and, and the the picture was so bad. But I mean, I guess for a for a first portrait for a twelve or thirteen year old, it wasn't too too bad. But I was going to ask you about that because, yeah. uh, and and we're going to talk about John and and your your shop 
it's up on Etsy, you have a ton. I mean, almost exclusively, it is famous people's faces. And the detail is so ridiculous. Like, I have to stop myself from buying stuff every time you post on Instagram <laughs> or Facebook. You don't have to stop yourself. I know. I know. What am I? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, if that first one was so bad. What was the first, um, let's say, you know, real person that, that you drew and, and thought, man, this is really good? Or someone said, this is really good. Oh, that's a that, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of like to see a stack of all my drawings in sequential order or whatever chronological order, and and um, see exactly how they progress. Because uh, I I found a bunch of the ones that I did first, and it was like Stephen Curtis Chapman and uh, the guys from PFR, um, DC Talk, those guys and stuff. I actually sent Kevin Max one of my really early sketches of him and it's so it's so bad and he shared it immediately and <laughs> he wrote um this is me drawn and quartered by john DiBiase and i was <laughs> i was mortified because i wanted to, i, I kind of thought it was funny i thought he would see, right. find it and then the way he wrote it was just like it just it just was even more offensive and, and, yeah. and he uh I I talked to him about it and he took it down and he said he didn't mean it to, to be anything bad. I'm like, how can you not take that bad drawn and quartered? <laughs> but anyway, so, um, you know, cause you got, everyone's got to start somewhere. Um, but I think it was probably around high school. I have, uh, I, I drew like Leo DiCaprio from Titanic and, uh, a couple times, I think I drew one for my cousin and then another one that I ended up making copies of and, and the copies, sort of like circulated around high school. I don't even know how all the girls wanted mm-hmm. copies of it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> and then I, in my sketchbook at the time, I had like uh, Tommy Lee Jones from U.S. Marshals and Jim Carrey from The Truman Show. And I guess those were kind of the start of them kind of starting to come together and look um, less like a little kid drew them and, a little, and it had more promise, you know. And then in college, I took adverti- advertising design was my major. And um, uh, we had all kinds of art classes, whether where it was like uh, spatial and color concepts and painting and uh, illustration and stuff like that. And um, I still would draw in my spare time as far as portraits go. Uh, and for me, what, what draws me to portraits is I, f- I usually try to draw something that interests me. You know, if I'm going to be staring at someone's face for a couple hours, I'm I, I'm gonna not. I'm gonna want to not mind doing that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and usually the goal is for me to be happy with it at the end, you know. If it's a commission piece, I just want to make them happy. Um, but if it if I'm kind of the client, um, I just want to be happy with it. But in most cases, I'm still not happy with whatever I'm. I end up uh, working like fin- the finished product. Mm-hmm. Usually, just doesn't. Uh, I just see what's wrong with it, which is really, really, really frustrating. Um, uh, sorry, an artist. rambling. <laughs> well, and these for people who haven't seen your art yet, who are just listening to the show for the first time, these are like photorealistic port- portraits. Like, you don't need to put the name on the bottom to know what they're pictures of. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they look identical to the people. Uh, and you wouldn't know. I think if someone held it up to you from uh, a, a little ways away across a room or something, you would go like, oh, you got a photo of so-and-so. You wouldn't be like, oh, nice drawing. Uh, but when you yeah. get closer, you see the work like the uh, sometimes it's pencil, sometimes it's colored pencil or graphite. 
uh, but you see the like incredible detail in the line work. Uh, yeah, they're really amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, um, that's my goal. To be honest with you, um, for me, it's like a just a. I, I'm interested in trying to be able to create something photorealistic with just you know pencils and stuff like that. And um, you know, some some people I think frown upon photorealism because it's like, well, then it it's just a copy of a photo, or um, it just looks like a photo and doesn't look like art, but to me, it's like, that's a challenge that I like to, that I, I like that challenge and I like to try to meet that challenge. Are you, do you still, do you still get it off the television? Is that your favorite way? Do you, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's really funny. No, there's this thing. <laughs> oh, you use the internet. I, I, I always thought the internet wasn't going to go anywhere. Right. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Especially not for media. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, it seems like when someone's really, really good at something, eventually something good will come from that. So tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on with your Star Wars art. Oh, thanks. Um, well, it's interesting. Like, just uh, I love the art community, like on Instagram. It's funny because I feel like the art community is way more supportive than the Christian music community. <laughs> I find very strange, but um, I've met some amazing other artists online and um, uh, I see these people do, or I have seen these people do like um, Star Wars sketch cards for, for tops. And I'm like, how the heck did they get that? You know, like what in the world do you have to do to get a job like that? And um, at the time when I first learned about it, I got excited because I thought, oh, it's got to be like a well-paying you know, gig or something, you know, you're going to be working for someone like tops. Um, and uh, I looked into it. I, I tried contacting tops, uh, sent some examples of my work over and, um, long story short, eventually got a, um, an email back and, um, they, I, you know what it was when I first contacted them, I didn't have any sketch cards at all that I've ever done. So I started working on my own sketch cards just to, practice and see if I could even do it because it's you know it's easier for me more comfortable to do like a nine by 12 portrait than it is to draw on a tiny little trading card you know yeah just for just for context that that's what I get when I buy your art from Etsy right I get a nine by 12 or an eight and a half by 11 yeah and and you're drawing that to size so now a sketch card these are like tops trading cards like the big yeah card company. yeah this and we're you have and, to draw the whole thing on a what two by uh, three I don't know yeah, I, I, it's funny. I don't actually know the exact size off the top of my head, but um, I'm holding one right now. They're, they're you know, it's, it's the standard trading card size. Um, and basically, so they 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 uh, accepted me into their their whatever their program for um, artist commissions. And there's a whole bunch of other artists, so it's not like I'm one of a couple. It's like probably about a hundred or so or more. And um, they send you a batch of blank uh, training cards where the back is printed that says, congratulations, you have discovered a Star Wars card, you know, um, featuring characters and scenes from whatever. And then you're supposed to sign the back. So uh, the front's totally blank and they give you some guidelines of what they want on there. But um, for the most part, you're just free to do whatever you want. On wow. There. I never would have guessed that. So people are opening like a pack of cards they bought at the store and yeah. there's a, a, 
literally a card that this is the only one in existence. You exactly. did the sketch. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What? So they're, <laughs> they're really. What? <laughs> what? I thought it was Prince. They don't make Prince. There's only one out in the wild. Per- There's only one. Yeah. And it's wow. a, it's what it's, I guess they would call them like incentive chase cards, you know? So like, um, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's step back. So what is sure. the name of the series? Um, the first one I did is called masterwork and the cards were like super thick and I was like, wow. Okay. So I guess the sketch cards are like these premium, super cool, really thick cards. Turns out I did not know this, uh, for a while that the masterwork series, um, it's literally like five cards per per box that you would buy and it's like 50 bucks for a box so yeah so um, if you collected cards when you were a kid and you haven't thought about that industry until now it went through <laughs> a lot of changes in the last 20 years right yes exactly like, you called them chase cards like in in a football pack for example yeah. there could literally be like a swatch of a player's jersey like right into a card or yeah. like there'll be one autograph guaranteed per box and they definitely did get way pricier yeah. over the years so this is the star wars version of that and there's probably a base set that that can yes. be found yes okay. now Side note, I did actually get a uh, a psych card, trading card that has their shirts on it. No way. Like those watches. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's the best, psych, <laughs> that's the best side note in Storyman history. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I know that's the other thing is there's trading cards for literally everything. But I, you, you, you could tell that they kind of upped their game as far as what you can possibly get in the pack. So I had bought a hobby box of psych cards and they had autographs from different people in there. I got one from Val Kilmer and one from um, James Roday. And, <laughs> um, and then there was like a printing plate that they used to make the cards. And that was like um, something that you could, you know, find in a pack. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. But for um, the Star Wars cards, so basically the, the Masterwork ones were just kind of like really high end um uh, training card series and uh, um, they were that that series was a great one to to get my feet wet for because you literally could draw anything from any of the movies or comic books or cartoon shows um, which I thought was awesome and um, uh, the next series I did after that was um, try and think I think it was for the last Jedi so the last Jedi series one uh, set and uh, it just had to be anything from the new movie but at the time that they had me do these uh, cards the only thing out for the public was the teaser trailer and some packaging art and promo art and magazines which made it uh, very difficult <laughs> so they didn't send you like more stuff you could look at I assume no no not at all and uh, so yeah it was definitely a much bigger challenge uh, than the the previous set, but the cool thing was for these is they're out now, and you can go to Target and buy a pack. And um, although I think it's like one in every one thousand something packs would be a sketch card, and it's not even necessarily mine. So they're really really hard <laughs> to find. <laughs> so it's, they're really really hard to find, but it's still pretty cool that you could walk into Target or Walmart or anywhere that sells the uh, the Last Jedi Series One cards and you could possibly find, you know, one of my cards. Um, and then well, second, so how, how many, how many have you like drawn per series? Oh, um, I think, I think for the masterworks one, I did like 40, I don't know, say 46 maybe. And then, um, and they, they, they let you, 
keep like five, depending on how many you do, they'll actually send some back after mm-hmm. um, license approval and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then those you get to keep to do what you want with them. You can sell them or you can keep them for yourself. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then I think for the last Jedi set, I did maybe 30, 35, something like that. And then um, there's a new set coming out next week called Black and White. And it's based entirely on the original film and the original cut of the original film. And where every single card is going to be a black and white scene from the original Star Wars film. And uh, the sketch cards could be in color, but um, they're they're pretty cool. That's um, cool. Yeah. And uh, now I just got cards on Monday for the Solo, the Han Solo movie. And uh, the only source material we can use for that are the trailers that just came out. Wow. And any, any posters or pictures. I saw that they just released some pictures from Entertainment Weekly today. I'm like, ooh. Has it happened that you and another artist have done the exact same like angle of the exact same oh, yeah. character? Absolutely. When I've looked for um, some of my cards, I've checked eBay and see if any have shown up. I'll see some and I'm like, oh, wait, I drew that. Wait, no, that's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that people definitely do some of the same ones. I mean, I, I think especially for The Last Jedi, the series one where there was very limited uh, source material. And I'm sure that's going to happen with the solo as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of duplicates, but what's interesting is they tell us not to do any duplicates when we're doing the artwork. <laughs> so star Wars collectors are pretty famous. Um, and I know the action figures and the merchandise and all of that is huge. Are, are the cards gangbusters too? You mean like the sketch cards? Yeah. Do they sell uh-huh. like at that level? I don't know. That's a good question. Matt, uh, have I you ever bought Star Wars cards for you or the kids? I mean, I obsessively collected them when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. I had a bunch of the top Star Wars cards. Yeah. Yeah, I collected everything. I just wasn't into Star Wars, so I didn't collect Star Wars cards. But Because you were asleep. Just so sad. Just so sad. <laughs> I was just collecting Indiana Jones and Superman and okay, baseball that's... and hockey and football. Oh, so you're, you're a sports nerd. That's I was the problem. All, I was all Clay was I, pushing kids like you and me in the lockers. Oh my God, yeah, all <laughs> 73 pounds would be soaking wet. You were a bully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were Man. a bully. I'm only this, on this, this podcast because he's making me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what are your expectations of the upcoming Star Wars properties? Um, what do you mean? What do you think? How do you think the movies are going to be? I don't know. I mean, they just announced that the Game of Thrones writers are doing an, another trilogy or something. Um, that I'm not sure what to think of that. I mean, I guess if they want to take it into a more adult uh, direction, then, then I guess they found the right writers for it. But that kind of worries me a little bit. Uh, otherwise, if they keep it fan-friendly, which would be nice, it could be cool. I've actually never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, so I don't know. I think the the Game of Thrones guys, they're letting them loose on the history of the Ewoks. It's going to be this kind of uh, sprawling story of the rise and fall of the Warwick family as they, you know, take over the Ewok empire. It's going to be amazing. That way they can do nudity and it's not a problem. They can do Oh, yeah. There you go. Matt, um, uh, Matt didn't like The Last Jedi, John, and I don't know... I think JR loved it. Didn't like and, it. And I just didn't care. Where, where, 
Wow. But it was a little confused. I uh, <laughs> Last Jedi has been growing on me the more I think about it. There were things I didn't like, but there were things I did like. Mm. But it's been growing on me now that I've seen it twice and been thinking about it more. What did you but, think of it, John? I take it you loved it? Um, it's funny. Like I, I'm, I'm an introvert, so I... I get invested in, in things. So when I saw it, I was, I was thrilled by the experience of watching it, you know? And so afterwards I was like, wow, okay, I need to process, um, what happened with Luke. I can't, you know, I, I can't just say yet if I totally loved it or not, you know? Um, but I, cause I was definitely disappointed and surprised and, uh, kind of upset that they killed him off. And, um, because now that means that there isn't anyone from the original three that are still alive, you know. Um, but uh, then I went. I, I knew I, need, I needed to see it again. Actually, that night I was really surprised when I went online and saw so much anger towards the movie. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. I, I, I it seemed like everyone I was with really, really liked it, and uh, the vibe I was getting was that people might have been like, "Ah, I didn't like necessarily that." aspect of it but i still really like the movie and the next day i went to work and like my coworker absolutely hated it and uh didn't want me to even hint at the possibility of liking it because <laughs> it's like obviously it was the worst you know possible star wars movie that you know worse <laughs> than the prequels you know there's no way you could like it oh it's like <laughs> um, eight million times better than rogue one in my in my opinion but what? that's another story. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say Here, here's an important question, John. Have you done a sketch card for shirtless Kylo Ren yet? No, but you know what's really funny is on um the rules for the series two cards for Last yeah. Jedi, you cannot draw shirtless Kylo Ren. <laughs> no shirtless Kylo. <laughs> I am oh, it's against the rules. It is against the rules. Uh, maybe I maybe I get picked up for HBO and do a series of girls trading cards, and then you can do all the shirtless about, Kylo. Um, maybe you could do high waisted pants with shirt open Kylo Ren. Oh my gosh! Well, I can tell you right now, it's not something I desire to draw. Kind of like a Gold Bloom in Jurassic Park level of there just exposure. There you go. Oh man! Well, but anyway, so I, I yeah. real quick about Les Jedi. Um, yeah. So I I saw it again and. I liked it more the second time and then I saw it a third time and I still really liked it. And thanks to movie pass, I saw it a fourth time and I'm like, I like this movie a lot. I'm not, you know, I didn't love um, necessarily the, the whole side story of Luke, but at the same time, it seems so real. Like people are like, Oh, Luke would never do that. You know, even Mark Hamill's like, Luke would never do that. But you know what? I've met so many people in of the Christian faith that were so on fire and they're so inspirational. And then at one point they just turn their backs and you're like, Whoa, what the heck happened that makes someone just totally turn their back on everything they used to profess to believe or were really passionate about, you know? And so I, I just, there was so much depth to that storyline of, um, at least that's what I've felt from it of, of Luke and, um, you know, what caused him to basically lose faith. And then I love the fact that you have this, you know, Ray is this passionate new quote unquote believer who comes in and kind of, you know, sets, sets him back in, 
on the right path. And, uh, and of course Yoda shows up and, and reminds him too. And, uh, even R2D2 is trying to remind him. And I loved that, you know, like, again, it might not be what we all wanted for his story. And we, I think every single fan wanted to see him kick butt at some point at the end. And I think they tried to appease fans just a tiny bit, but it wasn't really what people wanted. Um, but I, I still think it's a great human deep story that um, it's, it's meatier than what you would ever expect. I think from a star Wars film. Well, we certainly give you uh, expert credentials on the star Wars trilogy. <laughs> now, if people want to see some of this amazing artwork, and I didn't even talk about all the classic Hollywood love you have. I just, I love, love, love old movies. Um, oh, yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? I'm everywhere. No, um, <laughs> uh, I have, I have the obligatory um, art blog at johndibiazzi.com. And then um, my Etsy store uh, has um, just about every, almost every single drawing that I've done recently and uh, it, in print form. And then some of them are actually the actual real drawings are available to purchase. And then actually a couple of the uh, top sketch cards are on there um, uh, as well as some other of my own sketch cards that I've done. Uh, and that's at uh, John art.com. I figured it'd be a lot easier to remember than searching Etsy for it. And then I'm on Instagram at John DiBiase and Twitter and uh, Facebook, which I think is John DiBiase Art. So I'm everywhere. <laughs> Excellent. As you should be in this day and age when the internet turns out, it won. And, you know, some of those, <laughs> we always joke that Christian culture is often a decade or so behind sometimes. So yeah. it was 1999. How were they to know the internet was going to be a thing, right? How would they know? It's just a fad. So, John, uh, before we go, uh, we would like you to join us in our weekly tradition called the Pop Culture Pick of the Week. Oh. a pow. This is where we just talk about something new or old that we've been enjoying lately. So, Matt and I will go first to give you a chance to think of something that you've been enjoying lately. Matt, lead us off. All right. I'm going to go old. Like quite a ways back to when television was still in black and white to oh. the Dick Van Dyke show. Krista oh. and I have been watching an episode every night, uh, like before we go to sleep. And, you know, most of them are written by uh, Carl Reiner, who's a oh, huge nice. comedy legend. Uh, <laughs> and, the, you know, Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore, they're hilarious. There's some, you know, there's some weird stuff just because culturally we've shifted, uh, especially about roles of men and women and some yeah. stuff like that. So there are a couple like moments where you're like, oh, that <laughs> probably wouldn't be on TV today, like a little mm -hmm. cringing. Um, but overall, they're really funny. And it's a it's this refreshing reminder of what sitcoms were like. Here's this group of people. They all basically like each other. Someone does something dumb. Things fall apart. At the end, we figure it out. We all love each other. Uh, so it's it's fun and the acting and the writing are, are spectacular. So yeah, we've really just been enjoying it the last few weeks. Nice, That's a good one. We I thought that might be the oldest papal we've ever had. I like it. <laughs> Mine uh, is is a is a pick steeped in retro love. Have you guys seen on Netflix the documentary "The Toys That Made Us"? Yes. <laughs> Did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I didn't watch all of them, but I watched uh, the ones that... I guarantee you watched the first one, which was Star Wars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen and I watched these over the last couple weeks. There's only four of them so far. I think there's going to be eight. And they did Star Wars, Barbie, He-Man, which I was all about He-Man, and then G.I. Joe. Yeah, I watched G.I. Joe and the Star Wars one. Oh man, I mean, bar, they're all good. They 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 do a little bit of reenactment, but they really just talk to people, and it's 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 about culture at large, and it's just really well made documentary. Like so so interesting. If you've been alive during these last few decades, I think you'll find it interesting. If you ever liked any of these characters or companies that made these things, um, I think you gotta watch it. They'll probably end up going to like Transformers. Matt, I wouldn't be surprised if My Little Pony gets an episode. Yes. Oh my! <laughs> it's just so fun, and they have like this. Even their intro. Matt, are you a brony? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tease me about it. No. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I watched it with my sister sometimes and my kids because they're all young ladies. But uh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the ponies, but I'm not. I'm not a hardcore yeah. pony. He's not a hardcore brony. brony. We've talked about bronies often on this show. So the toys <laughs> that made us pick an episode. I mean, I don't even know which one was the best, but they were all really good on Netflix. John, what is your papow? Papow. Um, Perfect Strangers. I've been nice. uh, I've been rewatching a lot of Perfect Strangers lately. And, nice, uh, Balky Bartokamus. Yeah, man, I love it. It's uh, it's funny because it was just it, uh, it was rarely ever crude, and it just was a lot of um, uh, what do you call it? Um, physical comedy you know so it was it was a lot of situational comedy but there's a whole lot of physical comedy which doesn't seem like there's a lot of that these days you know and they definitely had uh just an amazing uh, chemistry between the two the two guys yeah and uh i don't know they don't they don't make uh, tv like they used to cousin larry applegate apple appleton appleton did you guys see when I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or Fallon they did a Stranger Things Perfect Strangers mashup Perfect Strangers Things (laughs) that's right Uh, so if you haven't seen Perfect Stranger Things check it out on the tube the YouTube well John thanks so much for joining us today and talking about your journey and your art if you are out there and you have not seen what this man can draw you've got to go check it out it's it's really cool too for gifts. I mean, it, you're gonna know somebody who loves some of these pop culture characters and figures or famous actors and actresses. Um, and not to mention, I mean, your stuff is out there in the wild in these Star Wars packs. You're attached to this amazing franchise. It's really cool stuff, man. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, Matt. Any final words? No, thanks, John. It was a pleasure to have you with us, and we'll have you on to explain Ghostbusters to us when the next movie comes out. <laughs> oh, please don't be another. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been episode 182 of Storyman with John DiBiase. You can find him at all the places mentioned, and we'll put them in the show notes. Until next time, have a great week. Come on, son. This is a song about the three story men. Life is.
there's a man. Rather, sometimes there's some men. And I'm talking about the story men here. And I know what you're thinking. Those are some tall fellers. I don't know if that's three stories separately or three combined. Well, we're missing the point. Sometimes there's some men. And you want to know what these hombres are about? Well, I won't say they're heroes. They're just the men who are right for their time and place. These men, uh... Shoot, lost my place. Well, I've probably introduced them enough. So just relax for a spell and bend your ear their way. Yeah, I, it took me 182 episodes to get this much psych love into one story, man. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>